0: Every one of us every day comes short of the glory of God, friends. We all sin every day. We do. Either in thought or in deed or in work or whatever it is that we do, we can offend God. Listen, that's why we need to be sensitive to God. And you say, well, Mike, how do we keep from doing this? This is this is a war. It's a fight.
1: Hello and welcome to It's Time, the daily teaching ministry of Pastor Mike Kessler, the pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, Pastor Mike is teaching on the book of 2 Peter, the study on Second Peter is part two of the Peter series. And if you'd like to catch up on the series, First Peter is available for free download through the iTunes podcast store, or you can purchase it from CSN at 800-357-4226. With Second Peter, here's Pastor Mike. We
0: really don't know what we need. We think we do. We always think we know what we need, but we don't. Have you, I mean, right now, probably a lot of you, uh, you're looking at many of your Christmas purchases going, why did I buy this? I don't know why I bought this. And you're finding that you're having to expand your closets and your garage space to put the stuff that you didn't need in there. I'm always amazed. It's a problem that we all commonly share, I'm sure. But we really don't know what we need. But God does know what you need. And letting Him make that decision for you. Verse, four, uh, verse 11, it says, Whereas angels, who are greater in power and might... Do not bring reviling accusation against the celestial beings before the Lord. Interesting. It says here that a lot of times you'll find people, primarily even ministers, that make fun of the devil. Friends, this is what it's talking about. We don't do that. You know, the book of Jude tells us similar description here. It says that Michael, mightiest of angels, When in dispute over Moses' body, and I don't know what the dispute was over, whether or not they didn't want the body to be found because the people of Israel, because they were a little towards the world of idolatry, would have worshipped Moses' body. And God buried it, or however that was. But there was some kind of a dispute. It says that Michael did not bring railing accusation against the devil. He said, the Lord rebuke you. And really, always remember, that's really all you ever have to say to the devil, is the Lord rebuke you. You know, if you go to a church and they go, tonight we're going to have a service. We're going to stomp on the devil's head. We're going to stomp and stomp and stomp. I've actually been to churches like that. I remember I went to a church on a Sunday night and they pulled the screen down and they had a little projector, like a 35 millimeter. This is before the, the great age of LCDs but a 35-millimeter projector. And they projected on the screen a picture of a devil's face. You know what the horns look like? You would sell fireworks on 4th of July kind of guy. And then they passed out paper. And I'm serious. I'm serious. This is what we did. I didn't go there anymore. <laughs> we wadded him up into balls. Okay? And then we got in a line in the middle. And as you'd go by, you'd throw a ball a paper at the devil. Now, I'm sure the devil was quite amused. That's not what stops the power of the underworld. It is the blood of Christ that stops that, and nothing else. Us making fun of the devil, Jesus said it like this. He said, rejoice not that you have power over the devil, but rejoice that your name is written in the book of life. Friends, that's very significant. Because what that tells us, is that God will deal with the enemy. You don't have to. The Bible says, we say, the Lord rebuke you, and that's all we have to say to Him. So when you see somebody stomping on the devil, or uh, all I can tell you is it's warning you here that this gives you an indication that there may be something not settled in their heart that's completely right, or they may not know the Scripture Yes, the devil is the enemy of our soul. Yes, he's corrupt. Yes, he's evil. Yes, he tries to temptate you and his demons to do all kinds of things contrary to the Spirit of God. But that, friends, is where Jesus' blood is applied. It's his blood that separates us from the power of the enemy. The devil has 6,000 years experience at least over you and me as far as studying the nature of man. And if you think you will ever battle the devil on a... Mono, imano mano basis, you are going to lose. He knows how to hit. He doesn't play fair. He's corrupt. He's evil. He's wicked. That's exactly what the Bible tells us He is. He's the enemy to your soul. But we're never to make fun of Him. He was created by God, and He's fallen, and we need to understand that. I have no pity. We should never have any pity for the devil. Somebody would say, why is it possible, could it be possible, that the devil could change his mind and repent and... Be on god's side again the answer to that is no and in fact the more the bible tells us that he sees his time growing short in the book of revelation the more fierce he becomes when his place in heaven is lost he's cast down to the earth and the wrath of the devil is upon this world as he goes and he seeks to finish off and destroy all of mankind yes you have a real genuine enemy of your soul And you need to remember that as you live your life each day and how he will come and try to take your heart away from God. Now, the rest of this tells us a little bit how he does it. He says, but these, verse 12, like natural brute beasts. Now, you know what a natural brute beast is? We have another word for it. They're bullies. Have you ever been around a bully? Christmas story, you shoot your eye out. Little red-haired kid that always come and, you know, that's a bully. Like natural brute beasts. You know what a brute beast does? They have no conscience, no moral. They just do what they feel like doing. Well, like natural brute beasts. And made to be caught and destroyed, speak evil of things they do not understand, and will utterly perish in their own corruption and will receive the wages of unrighteousness as those who count it pleasure to carouse in the daytime. They are spots and blemishes carousing in their own deceptions while they feast with you. While they take advantage and they feast with you. In other words, they enjoy the protection of the church and the saints, making you believe that you're one of them, but all along having a different motive and goal in mind. You know see, we, we all like to believe that everybody has the same belief system and value system as we do. You take a person at their word, that they're upright up up front. They're, they're not really trying to get your goat if you know what I mean. Waiting for a moment of weakness in you or trying to find things wrong with you so at the opportune time, they can spring it on you to destroy you. We want to believe that everybody has that same value as we do. And in Christ Jesus, we should. But you got to remember, not everybody walks according to the Spirit. And he says these people have come in, and what are they like? Verse 14, having eyes full of adulteress is literally what the word is here. And we're going to find out what that means. And yes, it can be speaking of sexual immorality. But as we read the rest of the verses, we're going to find that as you belong to Christ... That there is always something that tries, that the devil tries to do to get you to abandon that relationship that you have with the Lord. And he goes into here what it is, and it's pretty interesting. He says, having eyes full of an adulteress that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls, they have a heart trained in covetousness practice, and they are accursed children. Covetous practice. Again, We know what that word means. They want what you've got. And they'll take what you've got. And this is the way they work. They work in among you, but they really have another motive in mind. Now, am I saying, well, Mike, do that mean do we need to be suspicious of one another? I would never hope that that would ever be the conclusion that you would draw from this. But I would pray that if there's something other than Jesus' love lighting your fire in your relationship with God, that you would nip it in the bud. That you'd say, Lord, I, I want to get back to being what you've called me to be. That I can truly be a child of yours. Verse fifteen: They have forsaken the right way. And by the way, uh, it says they are accursed children. This is there's several different ideas on this particular last part of this verse. That they could have had good parents, but they saw how the religious system works and takes advantage of it. It could be a general system or statement saying that they are children from a different father than we are. He says in verse 15, they've forsaken the right way. And this is why we know that what it's primarily talking about isn't necessarily just limited to sexual type issues, but it actually is speaking about being greedy for money because of the illustrations that he gives. Verse 15, they have forsaken the right way and gone astray following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. Now, it's interesting. It says he was rebuked for his iniquity, and a dumb donkey speaking with a man's voice restrained the madness of the prophet. Now, if you go back to Numbers 22, it's got the story in there about this particular, and this might be a little homework for you, it's an amusing story. Chapter 22 of Numbers. Now, I don't understand the Old Testament. If you read Numbers 22, you'll understand it. Children of Israel come out of Egypt. They cover the land like grasshoppers. I mean, there's probably between one and three million of them. They don't exactly know how many, but there was a bunch. And the people of Moab were freaked out when they saw it. They go, oh, no. We remember what happened to Egypt. And that was the most powerful country in the world. And now they've come here and they're going to take us over. And so the king... Balak went and got Balaam, who was a prophet. And he said, I want you to come, look over these people and curse them. Now, he understood some things about blessing and cursings that maybe today we don't completely get. That's why moms and dad, bless your kids. Bless your kids. I know it's temptation to curse them, but bless your kids. You want to do that. And Balaam replies and he said, I can't. They're They're God's people. Balak writes back to him and he says, listen, I was going to make you a very wealthy man. I was going to make your name known. So you come and bless him. I will make you wealthy. Well, Balaam abandoned, you might say, his responsibilities as a prophet and went greedily after the way of money to curse the children of Israel. Well, this is what it talks about. And so on the road, on the way over the pass to go curse the children of Israel, the donkey kept pushing him up against the side of the mountain because he didn't want to go. And finally, because the the donkey could see the angel with a flaming sword drawn, (laughs) he couldn't. Until finally the donkey, on the third time, turns around and looks at him and says, turns his head and says, What are you beating me for? Haven't I always been a good donkey? Now that's pretty weird. But what's even weirder is Balaam talks back to his donkey. How blind people can be that obviously when things... And by the way, friends, if you start seeing it, in your life, if you see things that are like really weird happening, you know, and you know you're on the wrong road, listen. Well, if we read on here, and by the way, it's a neat story. Read 22 and then read Numbers 23 because it'll give you... It's, it's really a good little story to read. It's, it's quite humorous. It says, He was rebuked for his iniquity. Dumb donkey, speaking with a man's voice, restrained the madness of the prophet. These are wells without water, clouds carried by a tempest, to whom the gloom of darkness is reserved forever. He's saying, look, they may know something about God, but they don't know God. Dangerous place to be. For they speak great swelling words of emptiness, and they allure through the lusts of the flesh, through vice, which is licentious, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. So those who live in error, they have actually gone after those. So there's a group of people that live in error, then there's a group of people that, that, that didn't buy into that, and those, these guys go after those. They'd go after you. Again, it, as it says here, it's just a sweet, great words of emptiness and allure through lusts of the flesh. Things that, that shouldn't be. And while they promise people liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollution of the world through the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, they are again entangled themselves and overcome... The latter end is worse for them than the beginning. You say, well, why is that? Why are they in worse shape after they've come to Christ and got entangled? Because before you came to Christ, you were in ignorance. You didn't know it was wrong. But after you come to Christ and you go back and you get entangled, how God can then help you? If, if God has already told you, hey, and you know yourself it's wrong, you can't claim ignorance anymore, God says, okay, listen, I've delivered you. You're, you're worse shape than you were before. It had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them according to the true proverb. A dog returns to his own vomit. A sow have washed her in a wallowing mire. Basically, it says that unless you hold on to your relationship with God, it's you can go back to be what you were. Never take your relationship for God for granted. Never think, well, you know, since I put Jesus in my pocket, I do my own thing. Peter warns about that. Now this, friends, this is Peter who walked with Jesus and firsthand denied the Lord. He was one who knew what was right and rebelled against it. Now, thanks be to God. Peter was forgiven, just like any of us can be if we find ourselves in the same place. But don't take your relationship for God that hey uh, you know uh, my sins are forgiven but i'm i'm going to start living in what's called cheap grace since my sins are forgiven i'm just going to keep on sinning that's a dangerous place to be you know why because a bit of your heart gets hardened against the lord's voice so be careful of those that would try to tell you that hey after you accept christ live like however you want and by the way give more money what are you saying In other words, buying your conscience off or distorting the word of God in that the blood of Christ no longer means anything. And this is what we read about this morning. It doesn't mean anything, even changing um, what Jesus did for us on the cross, because it doesn't really matter. Well, you know, just live your own way. Hey, listen, every one of us every day comes short of the glory of God, friends. We all sin every day. We do. Either in thought or in deed or in work or whatever it is that we do, we, we can offend God. Listen, that's why we need to be sensitive to God. And you say, well, Mike, how do we keep from doing this? This is, this is a war. I know. Ain't it? Ain't it? It is. It's a fight. Friends, to just stay and keep your relationship with God every day is a battle. It is. To do what God wants you to do is a battle. Moms and dads, for you dads for you to come home at night and be the dad to your kids, where everything in your body says, run away, go party, go do something else. Yeah, it's a battle. Moms saying, hey, I've had it with this mess. I'm going to go out, and I'm going to go do something else. Everything that's in you says to leave, and yet you stay. Listen, that's the battle of the Spirit. You say, but Mike, you don't understand. I think I'm the only one that's feeling this. No. <laughs> Amen? We all go through this. And we need to be honest. And we need to say, hey, listen, Jesus hold me every day. Thank God for the saints that God has put around us to encourage us and to help us. I, 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 you know, sometimes I, you know, sometimes we think, well, you know, I'm a fledgling newborn calf. And I'm learning how to walk as a Christian. But now that I've been a Christian for a while, I don't need anybody. I become a spiritual Winnebago. Self-contained, go wherever I want, complete with poodle. <laughs> you know what I found? The longer I live in Christ, the more I need brothers and sisters in the Lord to encourage me. You say, but Mike, you know, when you're becoming... No, 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 as, even as a pastor, I thank God for those that are encouragement. You, you see, you, you need that. Whether you've been saved a day or you've been saved 60 years, it doesn't make any difference. You need Jesus in your life. And you need that relationship. And you need friends around you. And what we read this morning is maybe how to spot a little bit of what's called false brethren, those that are trying to pick your wallet or false pastors or prophets or whatever it might be that are more interested in nickels and noses than in your soul. That's important to know the difference. Never take your relationship with God for granted. People say, "Eh, I've been kind of slacking a little bit, you know, kind of, you know. I've been meaning to get right with God again, you know, get back to church, get around and see you know. But you know what the problem is? Your heart goes cold. And then you become prey to the ungodly. Those that would then entertain you and say, yeah, you know, it's, it's okay if you want to just kind of love Jesus and sin too. Now, they don't really maybe say it like that, but basically they, they change the gospel into saying, well, accept Christ as your Savior, and then whatever you visualize and claim, you can have. Well, you know what I found in that kind of doctrine? You can claim and visualize yourself right out of the kingdom of God. Because, friends, it ain't about us. It's about Jesus. So we've got to go back to Him and say, okay, Lord, I want You to be first in my life. Whether you've been a Christian or whether you're not, we have to go back and say, Lord, I want it to be about you. And so this morning, we're going to pray. And if you need to come home to the Lord, if maybe you've been buying a little bit of the lie of the world a little bit, that, hey, you know, a little partying, you know, it's okay. Hey, it, it isn't the little, sometimes it'll get you. It's that you don't know when to stop, and it begins to overtake your life. You see, the Bible tells us to be instant in season and out of season. And that means to always see Him first. So I would invite you this morning, if you're distant from God, we're going to pray, and let's come home to the Lord, okay? Father, we come to You in Jesus' name. And we ask You to be first in our lives. God, without Your eyesight in our eyes, we can begin to believe the lie of the world. And so we ask You now to forgive us. Father, we ask You that you would be the first and foremost thing in our life. Remind us of what you did for us on the cross, Jesus. And that you sent your Holy Spirit now to encourage us each day. And Father, as we see the obedience of Jesus, even unto death, we so as well want to be obedient to you. So may you help us for anyone here this morning that isn't right with you, God. They haven't really surrendered. I pray, God, that you would just move upon that person in your love and let them know that you have purposed wonderful and great things for them but we don't have room for two masters in our life and so god may your holy spirit cause us to walk in your ways thank you for writing our name in your book of life in jesus name amen
1: Pastor Mike Kessler with It's Time. I'd like to take this moment to invite you to get your free copy of It's Time to Grow, the New Believers booklet written by Pastor Mike. It's Time to Grow answers many of the questions new believers have in a clear and concise manner, followed by the scripture references for each statement made. It's Time to Grow can be yours simply by dialing 800-357-4226. That's 1-800-357-4226. Or you can order it online for free at csnradio.com. Don't forget, if you'd like a copy of today's program, you can call our toll-free line I mentioned before, and that's 1-800-357-4226. Also, the daily free podcast is available through iTunes by searching for It's Time in the iTunes Store. On behalf of Pastor Mike and all of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening, and tune in next time for It's Time.